0: What's up, everyone? Jacques here. So glad to have you listening to another episode of The Online Course Show. We've officially crossed over that 100-episode mark and made it here to 101. And I've gotten some great feedback from you guys on last week's episode where I actually featured my wife. So thanks to everyone that reached out with kind words. And if you missed it, definitely check that out. And if you're new to this podcast, then go back to episode 89, which was an online courses 101 episode with all my best tips and advice for both those just starting out and for those that have a course already and just looking to make it as successful as possible. This podcast is for all things online courses, like I said, for beginners and for people that have courses already. Now, today's topic is one I've honestly always been a little scared of, mostly because I've never really understood it very well, and that's Pinterest. But today's guest is gonna clear it up for us. Monica Froze teaches moms how to succeed in online business at redefiningmom.com, but she's really found her niche in teaching Pinterest. So we were able to hit this conversation from a couple of different angles. One is just hearing about her courses, her background, how she got started, and her advice on succeeding with online courses, because she's doing very, very well with that. And the other angle is she gave some really great advice on how course creators can be leveraging Pinterest to drive traffic to your site and to your course. And we talked about both organic strategies as well as Pinterest ads. So let's go ahead and dive right into a fantastic conversation with Monica Froze. Hey, Monica, welcome to the online course show.
1: Thanks so much for inviting me.
0: Sure. So look, you are were, we're gonna be focused on online courses. Obviously, other topics can come up, but to set the stage, give us an idea of what your library of online courses is.
1: Well, like many, I think it's morphed a little bit over time. So when I started my first online course, it was geared towards moms who wanted to leave their corporate careers and start a business online. So I had I started blogging because I had a pretty bad postpartum story and I wanted to escape my corporate career. So that's what I resonated with. Those are the types of people that followed me. It was a tough niche though. It was, in my opinion, it was a little bit too general. It was hard for people to know, should I take this course or should I not? So then I got into Pinterest. And really the reason I got into Pinterest was because at the time it was exploding for blogging traffic and I went where the buzz was. And what really kind of occurred to me about that was that Pinterest everyone was focused on the wrong thing. Everyone cared about traffic and nobody cared about the conversions from Pinterest. And going down that rabbit trail, I ended up on Pinterest ads, which really turned out to be like my signature course. What everyone knows me about for is Pinterest ads, also known as promoted pins. And so now my catalog focuses very heavily on Pinterest.
0: So I mean, what, what kind of quantity of courses are we talking about? Is it just one Pinterest course and one like mom's stalling my business course?
1: So I do have the Moms to Online Business course still up, though I've been saying I'm going to retire it for about a year, but who has time for that? Um, In the Pinterest catalog course-wise, I have right now three, but soon to be four. So it started with the organic Pinterest course, which truthfully, I'm not very passionate about. I really love talking about ads. And then affiliate marketing on Pinterest was a great way for people who weren't quite yet with their own products. And it was just like a need that was easy for me to fill. Then the third one now is the big one, Pinterest ads, but I will be adding a fourth, hopefully in the next two months, all around Pinterest funnels.
0: Excellent. I love it. All right. So you're obviously no stranger to courses. You're not a newbie anymore to this. I'm not. What is your process? I mean, you mentioned that you've got a new one coming out soon. Walk us through your process for courses.
1: Process in the terms of creating it or how I come up with the idea?
0: Well, you know, let's start at the beginning from idea and then how you take that idea all the way to when the day comes that you're actually making sales from that idea.
1: So at this point, it's a lot of what people ask me. So it's very easy for me to understand where the gaps are because my customers will let me know. (laughs) And the thing about... I'm very, very, very passionate about narrowing my topic in the course as to not overwhelm my students. And so... I launched the Pinterest ads course for a beta in November of 17. So we're almost coming up on two years for it. And all along, I was very clear that you had to have a product, a service. You had to have a converting funnel coming into the course. So the ads were meant to amplify what was already working. The problem is, is that some people know what's already working and some people don't. So one of the things I did early on was I have a course Facebook group, which we can talk all... I have a lot to say about that topic, about having a group that goes with the course. But there's good and bad to it. The great side is that you quickly can pick up on what's missing. And, And so I would... It might have been a mistake, but that's up in the air. I would talk... I had a module all about funnels inside of PIN Practical Promotions, which is the Pinterest ads course so that people had an idea of what funnels converted well before promoting. But everyone wanted me to show them how to do it. And I kept having to say, hey, this course is how to do Pinterest ads. And if we start veering off into funnels, we're going to lose focus of the main thing that I'm helping you with. And then it's really hard as a course creator to keep people on the same page. So I I kept repeating myself that we're only going to talk about Pinterest ads. And Basically I was I was losing like half half of the people because they weren't ready with the converting funnel. So that's the gap I've known for at least a year that I need to fill. But Pinterest ads changed so much that I and they went public a couple months ago, which changed things even more. And I'm very passionate about keeping my course updated because I, I have taken a lot of junkie courses that are very outdated. And I just refuse to sell something actively because it's I'm actively launching with the course, I refuse to sell it if it's not up to date. So that's taken a lot of energy in the last year. And I finally feel like I got to a place where I can get another course up and running and do it justice. So
0: are you saying that because your audience, it was very clear that they needed more help with the funnels, you're like, okay, I'll make them a course on this topic.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much what happened. And then what really solidified it for me was I'm in a, I'm in a mastermind and we meet four times a year. And these are brilliant Business women that I mean, they're super smart, and some of them are making significantly more money than I am. And I would consider them to be my mentors. And we got in room, and we decided that the topic was going to be funnels. And I started walking everyone through how I run my funnels, and it became super clear that I'm I understand what I'm talking about, and I can help people even with bigger businesses than mine. And I decided walking out of that room that I had to do it because I think sometimes we downplay how much we know about something when we live in it every day. So I sort of blew it off as like, I'm not really an expert on that topic. And they told me, you are absolutely an expert. You know way more than the average person. And plus, your students are asking you for it. So what is holding you back? So now here we are, ready to create the fourth course. Okay.
0: So you're obviously an expert in a lot of things, including funnels. And and that's obviously an important part of say success with something like Pinterest, which sits on the kind of the top of a funnel, you know, that's the traffic source. And if somebody is finding you via Pinterest and then comes into your system, but then you don't have a working funnel, what's really the point, right? What is the point, right? (laughs) So I know you you have online courses, you've worked with a lot of people that have online courses. Do you have like a go-to or favorite type of funnel for online courses?
1: For selling my online course, I have been very launch heavy. And what worked super well for me and has worked super well is the challenge model. So I accidentally fell into this too, I will say. But looking back, it was a genius decision on my part. So the very first launch I had public was based on a three-day challenge. And I turned that three-day challenge into an evergreen free course that people can access all year round. And it's pure teaching. It's not pitching. And because of that, it's very easy for people to recommend. Go take Monica's free course and I give them actionable steps to take to get them to the point that they're ready to promote their first pin. And so it's very easy for people to recommend to me because they're not sending me they're not sending people through this sales pitch right away and through all the data I've gathered, I have over a thousand students in the course and I've done the launches quite a few times at this point. So I'm very well aware of what converts 82% of people went through the free course, which I do with the live challenge once or twice a year for that. And I offer a like a 101 ebook as a tripwire after they sign up for the course. It's $19 and 67% of people who buy the primer go on to buy the bigger course as well. So. It, that model works super well for me. Unfortunately, launching is also extremely exhausting. <laughs> so we're working on Evergreen now. That's the big push I have going.
0: Okay, good. So you're in the process of, of changing that over. All right, so how are people finding you? you know, you're obviously helping a lot of people. It's successful courses, but, but how do people come across your stuff?
1: So I think word of mouth has been huge for me. So I had about... So I should say when I created the beta back in November of 17, I was in my third trimester. So I was pregnant. And if anyone knows me when I'm pregnant, I don't like being pregnant at all. And so the last thing I wanted to do was create a course. Luckily, I have really great friends in this industry who told me I had to do it. And it was a wide open space to do so. So what happened was after I launched that, I created the beta, launched that first time and completely shut down. I was like, I'm having a baby. Don't talk to me. And the course was closed. It had gotten enough word of mouth that I had some substantially big influencers contact me while I was on maternity leave saying, hey, I heard your course is great. Can I get into it? And I got to a point where my husband's like, you need to come out of your shell for like a day or two and just open the cart for these people because they are begging you and you're crazy not to do it. So I did. And that led to some really big affiliates like Kate All from Simple Pin Media is one of my dearest friends and one of my biggest supporters. And a few other big Pinterest courses out there also got behind it because they didn't teach Pinterest ads and we did some JV webinars. And so I have amazing, amazing affiliates. And also I find that it's really easy for people to say, oh, I'm going to create a Pinterest course and they can teach organic strategies, but very few people understand the data and the conversion mechanisms behind ads. And so people shy away from it with putting it in their course. So it gives me an edge.
0: (laughs) Well, as somebody that doesn't really Understand Pinterest or use it very much for my business. Can you give me like a high-level overview of why that is? Like, why is it so much harder to to do ads right than it is organic on Pinterest?
1: Well, I mean, I don't think it's that much harder, but I think it's the age-old question of why people are so focused on page views as bloggers, because uh, that's where I started with it. I started with bloggers. Now I have a lot more e-commerce people that are in the course as well, but bloggers, especially early on, get very, very focused on traffic. And Pinterest is actually a really easy way to understand because of the visual side of it. And a lot of people in the mom blogging space that get into it have used Pinterest already as a user. So it wasn't foreign to them. And so it was just easier to pick up on. That's sort of how I feel about that. But once they get the traffic, they didn't know what to do with the traffic. That was the big disconnect between a lot of the Pinterest courses out there. They showed you how to get the traffic. They showed you how to create the images, keyword, your descriptions. Nobody said, okay, now they're there. What do you do with them? And that blows my mind why we don't talk about that. So in my own quest to figure out how do I convert this traffic? What's unique about this traffic? Then I dove into the whole, well, Pinterest is a search engine and people are actually searching for something. So they want a solution. So they're more in a active mindset. And instead of sending them to things like a long worded blog post, there's opportunity to get them on your email list and convert that into a sale if you have something to sell. So once I figured out that, I said, well, I don't want to wait for my pin to take off organically. I want to get targeted traffic. So how do we do that? Well, you do that with targeted ads. <laughs> and that's how it all started. And that's the where I teach from because Pinterest is a little bit more crowded than it was four years ago. And it takes longer for things to take off and now that they're publicly traded uh, the only revenue that they make is through promoted pins and that being said the reality is it's it's going to be more necessary to learn how to do it if you want to be a business that survives on Pinterest
0: I would love to talk about and an, like an actual example if you're up for it sure um, I'm a little biased here but you know I've got my piano course yeah. and I don't have a presence on Pinterest but I would love to get maybe some tips obviously not you know, giving away all your best information that's in your behind your paywall. But like if I'm coming to you and I say, Monica, I've got this piano course, got a working funnel. It works great. I've got a proven product, you know, thousands of students, but I don't have a presence on Pinterest. Do I start on organic? Do I start on ads? And 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 how do I get started?
1: So what's your target audience? Who buys your course now?
0: Fifty years and up, men and women typically retired or about to retire and have always wanted to learn piano, but don't want to spend a long time to learn.
1: And geographically, are they mainly in the States? Yeah, they're
0: they're probably 60% in the United States, about 30% in the United Kingdom. And the rest is like Australia, Canada, New Zealand.
1: Perfect. All places you can target with promotive Pins. So we got that down. And then your funnel. What's the working funnel that you have?
0: Oh, see, that's that's uh that's the secret sauce right there. Basically, it's a combination of um it's it's evergreen and it's a combination of a product launch formula with some webinars in there as well and some other uh, some other cool things, but it's about a 12-day evergreen funnel with all those pieces.
1: So offering a lot of value before you are
0: offering a lot of value and the opt-in um, at the beginning is the basically the first 5 days of my course in a in a workbook form.
1: In a workbook form, perfect. <laughs> so Absolutely. Your people are on Pinterest. Like, cause that's the first question, right? Are your people on Pinterest? I think people are very surprised because a lot of the chatter is that moms are on Pinterest and they are. And so are millennials. So don't get me wrong, but so are the previous generation. A lot, a lot of, of, uh, people who are entering retirement are on Pinterest. It is very female dominated though. So if I were you and I was going to go get on Pinterest for your course, the thing is, do you have a blog and do you create a lot of content about it? Yes. You do. Well, you're like a dream come true. Why are you not on Pinterest? Because I have... There's two different things that happen here. One, I'll get people that come to me and say, Well... I don't have a blog or I just don't put out a lot of content, but I have this great funnel. Can I promote it? Absolutely. You're not going to have much of an organic strategy though, because organic Pinterest really is heavily focused on the content you're putting out. So you have to have a lot of different URLs to send people to, a lot of different pins. So that's like the organic side. But if you want to promote, you can go directly down... The funnel path. What's important to understand is the keywords. So understanding what the people are searching. And sometimes it's not as obvious as like the literal keywords that people are searching. What else could they be? It's in some ways you can think of it like Facebook where you're thinking of the audiences that you want to target to get your course in front of them. In a lot of instances you can it's their literal key when I say literal keywords, I mean it's you, you can figure out what people are putting in to arrive at what they're looking for. But people might not be putting into Pinterest. I don't know off the top of my head. They might not be putting in something like learn piano. They might, they might not. We'd have to look. But what other things are they interested in that you can get your ad in front of?
0: See, that's that's where you're getting a little too deep for me. Like it's so easy for me to advertise on something like Google, right? Because people are searching for how to play piano and you just put an ad at the top. But if you're asking me, you know, like that, I haven't had as nearly as much success with something like Facebook ads, because then you have to start talking about, okay, what are their interests? You know, what what other pages would they like and things like that? It's way more abstract for me. I like the more straightforward approach. So the answer to that, I'm not sure.
1: Well, let, I'm going to pull up Pinterest right now and we're going to put in how to play piano and see what comes up. <laughs> okay. and we're going to do a real life example here. Okay. So how to play
0: piano. Now you're just yep. going Pinterest.com. Pinterest. This is nothing to do with ads right now, right? So
1: right when I put that in, the way this works when you search a keyword on Pinterest is right underneath it, they actually make keyword research super easy because underneath it, they give you these little boxes. So I call them long tail keywords. So when I put in the main keyword, which is how to play piano, then I see at least, at least 10 related keywords to this or long tail keywords. So we have how to play piano for beginners, songs, learn with both hands, chords by ear for kids. So what that's telling me is it's, it's a searchable term that people are actually going to Pinterest in searching, so right there, you could put up a promoted pin with at least. I mean, you already. I've just found you at least twelve keywords right here that we could use. And what you do is you like pull up pins that look similar to what you're teaching, and look through their pin descriptions and what other keywords are they using. Like what other variations are they using, and just make a quick spreadsheet. Get at least fifty-ish keywords. I I tell my students they actually I have to find a hundred, but I'll tell you fifty it's not that hard to find 50. Boom, you put it into the campaign and you're off to the races. It's actually really not that hard.
0: Wow. That doesn't sound hard. I mean, is that something to where I could just hand it off to a virtual assistant and even just saying, hey, take Monica's course and then set all this up for me? Or is there would it need a lot of my interaction?
1: You can absolutely have a virtual assistant do it. I hate to be biased, but I would tell them to actually take my course first. And this is why. Because I think setting up the campaign is actually fairly straightforward. But reading the data is where people fall down. And a lot of times, a lot of times I hear, well, it must just be the the pages and converting. And it's not the page, it's the campaign that they're not understanding the data. That to me is the secret sauce. Like if someone said, what's the secret sauce to your course? It's how to read the data and make changes to scale the ads.
0: Okay. Cause I had success with doing things like that where I just say, Hey, you know, VA, go take this course and then implement it. Not necessarily something with ads, but like social media, you know, using Instagram or something like that. But I'm very intrigued here. Now, with Pinterest and these ads, can you expect a higher ROI than other platforms? Is that the main reason you're so passionate about this?
1: Yes, you can. Okay. Pinterest is a long tail game, first of all. So they're not quick wins. And probably the thing that people cannot stand that I repeat myself over and over again is you cannot... I ban you from looking at your data for at least seven days. You just will not see the data. You'll make ill-advised choices if you make changes before seven days. And now they've released... You can optimize for the conversion. So you have to... I make people wait at least 14 days before checking the data. It is a long tail game that you're in it for. It's not a quick win like you can get on Facebook. So I often actually use Pinterest in combination with Facebook ads. So for example, like I'm on a launch model for the course, so it's only open for, you know, maybe 5 days at a time. That's not very long to get a Pinterest ad to optimize. So I will drive Pinterest traffic either to the free challenge beforehand or I will to some of the value added blog posts I have and I'll be collecting that data right on the Facebook pixel. And when the cart is open, I go really heavy on Facebook ads to close the sale. So that's like one way I use them in that I use them together. The other thing is Pinterest is really becoming very quickly, one of their main priorities is to be a shoppable platform. So, and not just shoppable for e physical products, like digital products are a huge, huge thing on Pinterest that I think go unnoticed a lot of times. Just that's, those are the truth because people come, I think the biggest thing, it's like Google. When you think of Google, right? People come with a problem and they go to Google for an answer, that's exactly what people come to Pinterest for. And so if your solution fits the demographics of Pinterest, there's absolutely no reason why you cannot promote your solution there.
0: So the the people listening to this podcast, you can really put them into two groups. Those that are more in the beginner stages of their online course, they either have an idea and they're working on the course, maybe they they have the course but haven't made any sales yet. Or on the other side, it's people, I guess, more like me, where I have a course, I have a working funnel continuing to make sales. And for somebody like myself, like the wheels are spinning, like I'm like, you even said, like, why are you not on Pinterest at this point? But is that am I correct to think that? Only the people that are have a working funnel are making sales already are the ones that you should even think about it. And if the more beginner person that's listening to this right now, should they even be listening to Should they even be listening to this?
1: Okay, so I built the early stages of my list mainly on Pinterest ads before I had anything of substance to really sell. If you know what your course is going to be about, you obviously need a email list to be able to sell your course. So you can get into Pinterest ads for that. You're not going to get immediate ROI. So if you were at the beginning stages before you have your course created and you're not quite ready to invest in ads, but you're putting out content around that topic, then you can absolutely start your organic Pinterest strategy with creating pins and getting those circulated and keywording them well. And then when you're ready to start collecting the email addresses for your course topic, you can jump into the promoted pins. And I do think it is wise to have somewhat of an organic strategy before you just jump into ads on Pinterest. So you understand how the platform works. You understand the keywords. You understand the images that will get clicked on because that's huge. They've made some changes within the last couple months that the images that I use organically are different in some regards to what I would recommend for a promotion. Mainly that Pinterest users are used to clicking on an image and being Taken to what we call a close up. So you click on an image and you get to go to a close up of the pin where you see the title of the article and the meta description and then the Pinterest description. But with promotions now, when you promote something on Pinterest, when you click the pin, you no longer go to that close up and you're taken directly to that website. So to minimize clicks that aren't going to convert. You have to be super clear in your ad what they're going to. So if they're going straight to a sales page, make it really clear with like a shop now or just it should be abundantly clear. It does not have to be that clear when it's organic though. So there's some differences in the images between the two strategies.
0: Monica, this is really fun because we get to have this conversation like in two areas because you're giving me all this great knowledge about Pinterest for <laughs> yeah. online courses. But then I, we're also talking about your take on online courses in general, too. So I love this. Let's jump back to more general online courses and your experience with them. And I want to hit on a topic you said that you are very familiar with and very passionate about. And that's Facebook groups for your online course. And to set the stage, let me kind of give you my take on it first and see what you think. I fought this for a long time. All right i'm all about automation like let's do as little like manual stuff as possible and i fought having a facebook group because i just thought it would be one more place that i had to moderate you know and to to take care of and i fought i fought i fought it finally decided to give it a go and exactly what i was hoping would happen happened they interacted with each other and <laughs> continued to reach out to me in the places that they always had, the places I want them to. It was a huge value add because now for the first time, my students to communicate with each other.
1: Okay. So you maybe did it right <laughs> there. Let me say, let me preface this with, I absolutely think a big portion of my success came from having a Facebook group, the word of mouth, and the fact that I was able to be so present with helping problem solve people's issues and get them past the hurdles of how their campaigns were performing. Absolutely, I would not go back and not have a Facebook group. It was very much key to my success. The problem happens when, one, you don't set good boundaries, and two, it gets so big that you just can't. You can't scale to all of the questions coming in there, which actually all of it's setting boundaries now that I'm, <laughs> not that I'm saying it. It's all about setting boundaries. So what happened to me was, well, and I think we should also address the fact that I had people pay me two years ago, a fraction of what I charge for the knowledge in there now. They've gotten all the updates, they still get access to me. So I'm really... I'm not sold on it moving to a recurring payment at this point. Like I know, a lo- I know a lot of gurus out there who have pushed me. I've listened to podcasts about it, but I've been pushed by some of my own mentors to You need to be charging for the support that you're offering. So I think I have not made that decision to do it. I don't think I will anytime soon, if ever, but I do think that I did not set healthy boundaries. So it really came to a head probably when I reached three, 400 people in the group. I was getting tagged and Every single post. And we're not talking about an easy type answer. We're talking about in depth answers where I need to know a lot of data points from people to be able to give them an educated response on what they should or shouldn't do. So the first thing I did was instituted office hours so that we could try to clear some of that. Unfortunately, people were still very conditioned that I would answer uh, not only in depth, but I would answer fast. And it got to a point where the group itself was just so overwhelming to me and it was detracting from everything. Between keeping the course updated, which I said I'm super passionate about, and I believe that that's how you should be as a course creator, and then the people in the Facebook group keeping that, keeping answering all the questions, I had no time for anything else. And it actually started making me hate what I was doing quite significantly. It was not good. So I had to make a change. So what I did was I hired a community manager who started actually just about a month ago. It's my first payroll employee, actually. And that was very shocking to a lot of people that I chose for my first payroll employee to be a community manager. But the way I looked at it was the majority of my revenue comes through my courses and my customers are the number one thing in the business. You know, keeping your customers happy and word of mouth. If you start falling down there, you know, what business are you going to have left? So I knew I had to remove myself to a degree from the Facebook group. So I, I call her my first line of defense. So she goes in and answers threads. She encourages engagement with tagging other members that we know are good at certain skills or on certain platforms. And I upped my office hours. I'm going to start doing two times a month. And we're just streamlining the processes behind it. So I would absolutely say that I do not think my growth would have been what it was without the Facebook group, but setting healthy boundaries early on is key for it to be scalable in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I think to your point though I think it's tough because uh, you said a lot of the success has come from exactly what has overwhelmed you, right? Just you being in there, you answering people's questions, you answering them quickly and helping them out. That's easy when there's 10 people in there or even 50 people in there. But once there's 300, 500, 1000 people, like that's it's just not possible and you've got to be having your attention elsewhere. So You said to make it scalable from the beginning. Do you think the best way to do it would have been to hire this community manager from the beginning or just plan on that transition at some point like you've done?
1: So there's a few things. Because it's such a technical topic, I would have had more form like, this is the information I need instead of a lot of back and forth. So if you have a question about this, you need to give me all of these data points that would have been the first thing. Like, I didn't set good parameters around the information I needed. There was a lot of back and forth in regards to that. I also would have done office hours right out of the gate, and I would have done more than once a month because what that allows you to do is say, hey, that's a great question. I'm sure, a lot more people would benefit from that. I'll cover it on my next office hours. Honestly, answering 24-7 was not a good way to set expectations. So I would not advise doing that. I absolutely think you can be present and give them the information they need without it dominating your life. I mean, it really got to a point where when it really struck me is someone came to me that I is, gives me great advice. And she said, why do you tell them, meaning your students, when you're going on vacation? <laughs> She's like, that's a lot of information to give them. I mean, you should be able to go on vacation because I feel such a strong sense of responsibility that I show up and give them what I promise. And that's why other people also push me to make it a recurring membership because because of how much I show up, it's worth and I do think people would pay for it. I absolutely do. I'm not convinced it's the right way to go, but I overcommunicated. I always wanted people to know I'd be there. I just had bad boundaries about it. So there's just better ways to do things with systems. Like Streamlining your communication and systems.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you've got a ton figured out, but that, you know, we'll, we'll never all have it all figured out, right? We're always learning, figuring out the best ways to do things. And I love the office hours thing. I think that's a great idea. So you've mentioned a couple of times now about keeping your course updated. Now I will tell you for me, I don't think this is as important because piano is much more evergreen than something like Pinterest ads, right? So when you say keeping your course updated, I assume you mean so that the content in your course is always aligned with something what your student can actively be doing, right? So if the dashboard changes in Pinterest ads, then it might be time to update your course. Is that what you're referring to?
1: Yeah. So there's two things. I do think it's very important. If you have not created a course yet, I think I would advise you to think long and hard about the systems that you're showing people in your course and how much you're willing to update when they update. Because in essence, my business is at the mercy of Pinterest. Pinterest could change everything about the way ads run. And I would have to stop what I'm doing, no matter what I have planned really, and go and fix it. And here's the thing. If I didn't, I would have a thousand people knocking on my door saying, what do I do, Monica? So I have to for one. And so that's the first thing. Consider, do you want your main revenue source to be tied to someone else's business? Because trust me, it's lucrative in a lot of ways if you're good at that, but it's something to consider, right? And then the second thing is, okay, so my updates and and I've had to actually educate my students on this. I made a decision early on that I was going to include limited video. Now, some people have very strong opinions about courses not being video-based. And this is what I got. I, I got very strong opinions. And I was willing to share this with my students because I, fe- I felt so strongly about it, which was, if you want timely updates from me, I cannot be re-recording videos every month. It's not feasible. And the bigger we grow, the harder that will be to do. So I made a decision very early on that it was going to be mainly text-based. And I do not think that that impacts the value of it whatsoever as a matter of fact i think it makes it more valuable because i can keep it that much more updated
0: i love it you know we we did a whole episode on just text based versus video based courses and i don't know that that really came up as an advantage to text based but I, that makes a lot of sense if you're in a niche that does change and update quite often
1: yeah i mean it's easy for me to like pinterest has this habit of of switching very minute things but that People can get hung up on if you don't know, like, where this button moved here, or this button moved there. They kill me <laughs> with it sometimes. Where did the button go? And then I have to go find the button and update the screenshot. But can you imagine having to re record several videos because one button moved? I mean, it's just not scalable. And I have taken so many ads courses from different people in Facebook, the Facebook realm, particularly. And I have to say, I'm often going through those courses and everything looks different. And as a user, that's extremely frustrating. It's not helpful to me to watch a video when my dashboard doesn't look like what the video does. And I get so distracted by the fact I don't know what I'm supposed to be clicking on that I'm not even learning what they're teaching me.
0: I feel the same way. I've taken a course on like, I think it was Google ads or something and, and something was different and I'm just going through it and things aren't matching up. The creator even put in a blurb like under the video. It's like, Hey, Google ads has updated this. You know, we'll get a new video up soon. It's like, okay, but that doesn't help me right now, you know?
1: Right, exactly. I update the course like major overhauls at this point because of how much they're changing about four times a year. And that doesn't even include the m- little updates I do. And then I always say that maybe if I go back to a big point about the Facebook group that why it is valuable too, is I can always keep people updated in there. So there'll be things where I'm we might not be ready to change the course yet because it's not tested, but it's something that I want to make them aware of. And I can give that information in real time in the Facebook group. And I find that that's the best way to do that too. So that's one of the things I say in between updates, I'm constantly updating everyone in the Facebook group. And I find that we can really strategize better with trying like out of the box type strategies that are not ready for the course yet, but we can test them in the group. And then I have enough data to go off of putting them in the course.
0: I love it. And you know, not to brag or anything, but the piano hasn't really changed in the past several hundred years. It's been the same 88 keys and whatnot, so that's not really <laughs> something I have to think about personally. I usually only update the course if I feel like I can do a better job, like if I can teach it better, or if I get a better camera or lighting or whatever. But <laughs> there's no there's no new button or buttons aren't moving here and there, so I feel I feel good about that. But you know, I have a course on on courses too, and I and I do have to think about that. <laughs> with, with that. So let's let's transition a little bit. I just have a couple more questions for you here, Monica. This has been a, a fantastic conversation. Next, I want to ask you about tools. Uh, some of your favorite tools that you use to execute your website and your online courses, maybe your top three to five favorite tools.
1: Well, I'm going to start with proof as my first one. I really love proof. I love data with my funnel. So I'm constantly monitoring that. And I also have a lot of different funnels, but um, the biggest one, which is my free course, which is a three day free training. uh, I added proof to the opt in page. And if you click on the proof notification, it will bring up the lead box. And that increased the conversion on that page from 58% to 72% when I added a proof notification. So it will say, hey, this many people enrolled in the last, well, I guess enrollment numbers are relative, but I have 20 on the low end going through signing up in a day to over 100 a day. So my proof notifications look pretty good. But the on-page conversion went from 58% to 72% when I added proof notifications. Not to mention that when the sales page is open and I use, hey, this many people have bought the course, that also increased the conversion on the sales page too. So...
0: Couple of follow-up questions there. I use yeah. proof as well, and just for people listening um, to make sure they understand what it is. It's the little pop-up that comes up, like in the bottom left, that says, "You know, John opted in for this 30 minutes ago. Betty opted in for it 45 minutes ago." And usually, they say from where, right? So right. Then we're talking about the same thing, right? Yep. And so, one question for you is: You said one thing you did to increase conversions was allowed it to where if somebody clicks on that, your lead box comes up. How the heck are you doing that?
1: Well, when you set up the proof notification under settings, you can put a link for what happens when they click on the box. So I just put the link to the lead box, direct to the lead box, the same lead box they'd get if they click the enroll now button. And I was actually quite shocked by how many people actually click on the proof notification. Quite a few do. And I, I hypothesize it happens more on mobile because I feel like it takes up more of the screen on mobile. And I went back and forth between if I should leave it or not. And when I figured out that I could just link to the lead box for the proof notification, I left it on mobile. So I left the notifications on there and it's been working great. And also I have a lot of, this is sort of like not course related, but Probably interesting on the proof side. I have a lot of funnels that are not B2B. So they're for my mom audience on the consumer side. And it's not the primary focus of my business because I'm very invested in my courses. So because of that, I don't actively collect testimonials. And it's a really great way for those funnels to run and show social proof.
0: Okay. Love it. That's a great tip about the lead box. Second follow up question about proof is this. You mentioned like kind of converting over to evergreen funnels right now. Um, this is a topic that Abby Ashley and I have, have talked about, who's, who's another very successful online course creator that we both know, um, cause she's somewhat using proof as well. But on a sales page, I have, I don't understand how to effectively use proof on an evergreen sales page. Here's what I mean. Abby just did this massive launch and she used proof and it increased her conversions. But like she sold 300 courses in a week, right? Mine's always evergreen. I'm selling three to five courses every day. I personally don't think having proof on a sales page when it's evergreen is going to be near as effective. What do you think about that?
1: I have talked to Abby about this very topic. So Abby and I are both in Mariah Causes Accelerator program. So we are learning similar frameworks for setting up our evergreen funnel. And actually I'm going to be deviating from it a little bit, but uh, she just posed this question in the group about proof notifications on Evergreen and I leave mine on. And the reason I leave mine on is because the proof notification itself keeps getting clicked, which sends them directly to my checkout page. So as long as people are clicking it, I'm going to leave it on. You can set parameters though, right? So I would have to go in and look, but I think my parameter set to don't show if I don't have at least 10 sales in the last 30 days. So it's not going to show if there's just one person that bought or two people that bought. So we have to have... And you could set it for seven days. So as long as 10 people bought in the last seven days or whatever you want that parameter to be. So it won't even show if it's not going to show a good enough number for you to feel like it's going to be enticing and it makes it look appealing.
0: I think that's a great kind of middle ground to say, because they have those parameters, it's like, okay, if you're worried that it's going to have the opposite effect by showing too little proof or too little social proof, then we can just set up those parameters to alleviate that. So I I love that. All right. Well, we got way off on a tangent. We're talking about tools, proof. I'm a fan too. I agree. Any other tools that you uh, you really like out there?
1: Well, I was really resistant to Deadline Funnel forever. (laughs) And now I use it on everything. Deadline Funnel has really made my life so much easier, even to the point of I would be the girl who stayed up to close my sales pages at ungodly hours. And my poor kids then were like, why are you so miserable the next day, mommy? Well, that's because I was up to 3am closing for a specific time. So the Deadline Funnel to me has been amazing. So I use lead pages. So that would be my next tool that I would mention. I'm pretty well-versed in in lead pages. So I use their countdowns historically and it's limited. It's not... You can't sync it across emails and there's all these limitations. So from an evergreen standpoint, Deadline Funnel has been a game changer in my opinion. I love lead pages for my actual setting up of the funnels. And I use Thinkific for my course site. I love Thinkific, but I do not love their checkout. And that is the biggest single pain point that I'm dealing with right now. And honestly, something I feel like you don't know when you get started, but a lot of times when you choose a course site early on, you know you don't know all the things that are going to end up being issues down the road. So I had no idea how important order bumps and upsells and things like that were going to end up being to the bottom line revenue of my business, and you can't do that with Thinkific Checkout. So now I'm going to be moving to ThriveCart, and that's like the up and coming. Project for the the rest of the year. So, those are the tools I use. But if I had to say, like, the two I love the most and I think actually have impacted conversions, it would be proof and deadline funnel.
0: Love it. Love it. Okay. Look, last question for you, Monica. I appreciate you being so generous with your time. What advice do you have for somebody just getting started with online courses?
1: Listen to what people are asking you because I ignored what people are asking me for a year. And so, it was a whole year cut off of my course creation that I could have been making a lot of money. People were asking me repeatedly to put how I run my Pinterest ads in a course. And I just thought, nobody's going to buy that from me. I don't have a Pinterest audience. I talk to moms, but they did buy it. So it was great advice and I should have listened to it sooner.
0: Great advice. All right, Monica, thank you for joining me. I think there's definitely going to be people interested in the Pinterest courses and probably mostly the Pinterest ads course. So let people know where they could find your stuff and specifically those courses online.
1: Yeah. So everything right now lives under the Redefining Mom brand. And if you want to get into the free course to get started with Pinterest ads, it's at redefiningmom.com forward slash ads ads. Thanks, Monica. Thank you.
0: That is going to do it for this episode. Thanks so much to Monica for joining me on the show today. You can find all of the links and notes from this episode by going to the slash 101. And Monica and I talked about a lot of great tools in this episode. If you want to support this show, then head to the slash tools or just click on tools at the top of the site and you'll find my top 10 tools for course creators and my affiliate links to most of them. If you're interested in any of those tools and plan to sign up anyway, then I'd appreciate you using one of my links as a way to support me and my work here. So guys, that's it from me for now. And for this episode, I will talk to you next week for more Online Course Show.